Hello. There we go. Morning. As uh, Pete mentioned, my name's Don Weber. I'm a member of the volunteer preaching team here. So, some time ago in a very old, very traditional church, the pastor stepped up in front of the congregation on a Sunday morning and he said, Brothers and sisters, as you know, for a long time now, our church roof has been leaking. And it's time we took up an offering to get these repairs done. So we're going to pass around the plate now for a special offering. And the person who gives the most amount of money in this offering is going to get to pick out three hymns this morning. Now in this church, that was a big deal. Very traditional church, so picking out three hymns was a big deal. And so they passed the plate around, and afterwards they brought it up to the pastor, and he looked through it, and he was shocked and amazed to see a $1,000 bill in the plate. And so he dug through there, he could tell clearly that was the biggest donation. And so he said to the congregation, would the person who gave this $1,000 please come forward to pick out their three hymns? And back in the corner, a sweet little elderly woman slowly got up from the pew, made her way up front, and joined the pastor. And he said to her, thank you so much for your generosity. You show such kindness. Have you thought about your three hymns? And she said, oh, yes, pastor. I've given it a lot of thought. Three of my favorites. And then she turned to the congregation and smiled and said, I'll take him and him and him. So I have always wanted to start a message off just right from the get-go with a joke. I don't, ever, I don't usually get to because it's really hard to find a joke that pairs well with the topic. But since we are continuing our sermon series on generosity, kicked off by Pastor Pete last week, I finally hit the jackpot. This was my Sunday. Unlike my joke, however, I'm not going to talk about money this morning. I think we often might think of money as the only way or the most important way to show generosity. But that can't be true, right? It can't just be about money. Money can't be the only way to show generosity. If it was, then those who have the ability to give away a lot of money would always be more generous than those who don't have much money or have no money at all. And that can't be true, right? I think we know that among ourselves. Think of Jesus, right? Jesus, would you, would you say that he was somebody who was generous, who lived a generous life, who, who showed generosity, gave us an example to live by, and yet we don't know of a single time that he gave any money to anyone. But he gave lavishly of himself, of his time, his attention, his abilities, of his mercy and his love. So much so that he was often attacked and criticized by the people of his day saying he was giving away too much love, if that's even possible. That he was showing too much kindness, too much generosity. It was the people, particularly the religious people of his day, that said he was doing all that for people who didn't deserve it, for the wrong kind of people. See, for Jesus, generosity was so much more than what he did. It wasn't just random acts of kindness he squeezed into a busy schedule 
or some kind of financial strategy. For Jesus, generosity was a way of life. It's who he was, who he is today. And it's a way of life that he is calling each and every one of us to today, this morning. And we see that calling, that invitation over and over again in the scriptures as he taught his followers the importance of being generous and as he modeled it day in and day out in his own life. Here's one of many examples of this in Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. I think it's really hard for us modern folks to fully appreciate how Jesus' audience would have felt when they heard these words for the first time. Particularly the words, giving, themsel giving of themselves and picking up a cross. So for most of us, I think, the cross brings to mind mostly good, positive notions. Even if we think about the suffering that he went through for each one of us on the cross, we have all the good it brought about in our lives to put even that suffering into a good, into a positive light. Good things like total forgiveness for everything we've ever done wrong, everything we will ever do wrong, and the offer of an intimate and unbreakable relationship with God the Father, with Jesus, and with His Holy Spirit now living inside of each one of us, offering us purpose, peace, joy, freedom, healing, and a whole host of wonderful blessings made available to us. And we have the church, the community of believers, to support and care for each other as we each heal and grow and work together to bring the good news of all these blessings to the world around us. And don't you know how badly the world needs good news like that? The world needs Jesus and the world needs us and what we have to offer. All of this is the result of the cross. But the people of Jesus' day didn't know any of that. That's not what would have come to mind when they thought about the cross. To them, the cross meant one thing. It meant death. Horrible, slow, and painful death. It was something the Roman conquerors had brought with them and used to crush rebellion to destroy rebels and criminals. The Jewish people of Jesus' day would have seen thousands of people crucified. And all it would have meant to them was something terrible, something horrible. And here he was, someone who had preached a message of love and forgiveness, who had blessed children, fed thousands, and healed every single person that ever came to him, telling them that they had to go get one of those, pick it up, and follow him. Now that would be like if today I were to say to you, today for everyone who accepts Jesus, 
who becomes a Christian, we have two free gifts. We're going to give you a brand new Bible and your very own electric chair. And you can take it with you. That's how strange and how shocking Jesus' words would have been to the people of his day. They had to have wondered, what, what is he talking about? What in the world could he mean? But once they saw his ultimate act of generosity, giving his life on that very same cross for them, for all people, for you, for me, it would become clear that what he was telling them, what he was calling them to, and is calling each one of us to, is to make generosity a way of life for us. To make giving and sacrifice the way that we live too. Putting our whole lives, our time, our attention, our money and possessions, even our plans and our hopes and dreams, completely in his hands. Surrendering to him complete control of everything we have, everything we are and hope to be, to be used however, whenever, and for whomever he chooses. I want you to imagine for a minute, as I'm talking right now, I suddenly stop and I look to that back door with a shocked expression on my face, disbelief. And slowly all of you turn around and you see Jesus standing right there. Now I don't know how we know that it's Jesus. I just assume he's somebody that when you meet him, you know it's him. And he's got a heavy backpack on his shoulders and he starts to take it off and he says, could, could somebody give me a hand with this? What would happen? How many people would get up to help him? I bet pretty much everybody, right? Anybody nearby is going to rush to try to help him. We'd probably race each other to get there first. And after he sets it down, he starts to make his way up frontier. And he stops halfway and he says, you know, I had to hurry to get over here this morning, so I didn't have time for breakfast. Any chance I could get a cup of coffee and maybe a breakfast bar or something? What would happen? A stampede for the coffee pots, right? And anybody here today that has anybody, anything even remotely edible is going to get it out and rush to give it to Jesus. We'd probably be digging in the pockets of the chairs and in the seat cushions to see if there's anything there that we could give him. And so he gets his snack, and he gets his coffee, and he comes up here. And he walks up to me, and he says, uh, do you mind if I say something? What do I say to him? Well, Lord, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of something here. Can I get 10 minutes? No, right? That's not what I'm going to say. If I'm able to say anything to Jesus, it's probably going to be, uh, mm, yeah, mm. you know? That's about it. So he steps up. And he begins to speak to us. At that moment, what do you think it's like in here? Is anybody chatting with their neighbor about the weather or about what a miserable football team the Minnesota Vikings are? <laughs> Probably not. I'll bet every eye is glued on him and you can hear a pin drop in here. Cell phones are silenced or if you do get a notification, you just ignore it. Nothing is going to keep any one of us from listening to everything that he has to say. 
As long as he is standing up here, he is going to get everybody's undivided attention and nothing would distract us. So what's my point? What am I trying to say with this little illustration? Well, it's this. As we sit here this morning, we are surrounded in this community, in each of our neighborhoods, in our state, in our country, in our world, by people carrying heavy burdens. They need someone to step up and help them with. And there is no shortage of people near us or far away from us, hungering and thirsting, not just for food or for water, but also for kindness, compassion, and friendship. And in our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, and even our churches are people who feel that they don't matter to anyone, that they don't matter to God. People who are longing for someone to just sit quietly with them and really listen to them. Here's what Jesus said about it in Matthew chapter 25. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in His presence and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep at His right hand and the goats at His left. Then will, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. See, the same passion and the same enthusiasm that we would all meet Jesus' needs with, he is asking us to meet other people's needs with. The Apostle Paul would put it like this in his letter to the Philippian church. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end of this type of generosity, real sacrificial generosity. But if you have, you know it's powerful, even life-changing. I want to tell you a story about when someone did this for me, gave of themselves their attention, their time, and their love in a way that profoundly blessed me and still touches me today. It happened here on a Sunday this past June, about three days after I returned from a trip to Ukraine, helping Ukrainian Christians bring food, medicine, and supplies to the people and the soldiers caught in the fighting near the Russian border. 
It was nice to be back in community, but it was extremely difficult transition from the suffering and the destruction I'd witnessed there to the ease and the comfort here at home. People from our community have served all over the world in places like Uganda, Zambia, Kenya, and Mexico. So I know many of you understand how difficult it can be sometimes to serve there and then come back to the land of plenty. The reentry can be really tough. Just the previous Sunday, I'd spoken at a Ukrainian church where they asked me to pray for people. Now, I really enjoy praying for people, so I said yes. But I was no way prepared for the prayer requests that I would hear that day. Like from Yuri. Yuri is the commander of a Ukrainian company of 100 soldiers under his command. After he told me this, he said, Would you please pray for me to have wisdom to lead these men? I don't want to get them all killed. Now, I've never been asked to pray for something like that. Two weeks from today, I'm going back to Ukraine, and I will probably go to that same church, and I hope and pray to see Yuri again. Next came this woman, whose name I don't remember. Her prayer request was for her three sons who were all fighting on the front lines. Hers was simple. She just wanted her boys to come home alive. In the background, you can see Gary Lansdowne, and he's crying. These are just two of the people me and Gary prayed for, but they all asked for God for something like this, something this serious. It was hard. I felt completely inadequate, and I was barely holding it together. And then exactly one week later, I was here, and I was really having a hard time. I felt completely lost and out of place. I felt guilty being so safe and secure here. Again, I was barely holding it together. Now, I don't believe for a minute that the more serious the prayer request, the more God cares about it. God isn't like me. He's not like many of us. He has the amazing ability to give His full attention love and care to each and every prayer from each and every person on the planet at the same time. God loves you and would never want you to think that because he has all these terrible things in the world to deal with, that your needs, your wants, don't matter to him. In a way I can't explain, God is able to give both you and me and everybody else in this world, his undivided attention and his unconditional love all at the same time. And he wants to. He longs to. That's why we have people up front after our service every Sunday offering to pray with you for the needs you have in your life right now because God cares about your needs as much as he cares about the people in Ukraine. My point is only that the weight I was feeling when I came back was crushing me. And I felt like I couldn't make it through the service. I just wanted to leave and be alone. And so I walked out the door and I went and hid in a corner out there. And that's where our kids and youth pastor, Becca Bunger, found me. 
and what she did for me in those moments, I am certain I will remember for the rest of my life. She was walking past me and glanced over, me, over at me with a smile on her face and said hi. But when she saw the look on my face, she stopped and she said, are you okay? And the look on her face changed to one of genuine concern. And she just listened as I told her about the church in Ukraine and what a struggle I was having coming back. Then I started crying. And for a long time, we stood together in silence. And she never said a word after that. She just stayed there with me. She just cared for me and loved me. After a while, I said, thank you. And she smiled and walked away. Now, I don't know much about being a kids and youth pastor, but I do know that Sunday isn't your day off. When Becca was walking past me, I could tell she was on a mission. She had somewhere to be. She had people to see. But when she saw how I was hurting, she set all that aside and stopped. She didn't hesitate a second to help me through. And she did help me through by seeing me when I was trying to hide and by listening to me when I was sure no one would understand how I was feeling. And I believe in some way letting herself feel some of what I was going through. She made me feel like I wasn't alone. I'd make it through that I was going to be okay. Each one of us has people in our lives or come across people throughout our days who are feeling like I was feeling on that day. And each one of us is being invited to do what Becca Bunger did for me, to stop, to listen, and to care for those people. Throughout his life, Jesus, when he looked around at those around him, he saw what other people didn't see. He heard what other people didn't hear, and he felt what other people didn't feel. And he responded by giving lavishly, generously of his time, his attention, his energy, and his love. Giving of himself and calling his church, us, to do the same. Now I believe that generosity is really the heart and soul of this church. I think it's something we're very good at. It's something we value. But wouldn't you agree that we can all always grow more in it? We can always become better at it, become more like Jesus in full-life generosity. In a moment, I'm going to give you some suggestions on how you can do just that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and I'd like to invite you to stand with me as you're able as we finish this part of our service. If you are on the prayer team, could you begin to make your way down front. Each Sunday, we end our messages with three practical tips to help us put God's Word into action in our lives. Something to read, something to pray, and something to do. Tip number one, read Matthew 16, 24 to 28. These are the verses I read earlier where Jesus called us to deny ourselves and take up our own cross. Now these are weighty verses, so I suggest you set a little time aside and give them a real good think.
prayerfully and carefully look them over and consider what Jesus might be calling you to this week as you read them. And tip number two, pray. Lord, I want to see what you see. I want to hear what you hear. I want to feel what you feel. To grow in generosity, it takes really putting ourselves in other people's shoes. If we're going to put them first the way Jesus called us to, their pain and struggles, as well as their joys, hopes, and dreams, have got to be important to us. For all of us, that is going to take a change of heart that only God can do. That's what this prayer is all about. But it comes with a warning. It will hurt. This prayer is going to hurt. Putting other people's needs before our own and really identifying with them can be painful. It's a difficult path to walk. But the good news is that He will walk this path with you. And He promises to give us everything we need for the journey. And tip number three, sacrifice something you value for someone else this week. Now, the sky's the limit on this one. You can use your imagination. Time is pretty precious to us all, right? Maybe take some of the time you planned for your downtime this week, time you planned to relax, and instead spend it with that person or those people you've been telling yourself, oh, I really got to get a hold of them. Oh, I should get together with them. We all have them, right? It's always people in the back of your mind. You think, oh, I should probably see that person. Maybe this week, sacrifice some of the time you were going to relax and be with them. I believe you're going to find that actually more refreshing, more encouraging, more rejuvenating than laying around at your house watching Netflix. Now think of this coming week. Did you have a movie, dinner, or event planned? You could invite somebody you wouldn't normally hang out with. Or it could be money or something you own that you know someone else wants or needs. Whatever it is, try to give of yourself to someone else this week. This is the way of life we're called to. And if we're going to put it into practice like Jesus is telling us to, we got to step out. we got to take a chance. we got to put ourselves out there. We're going to continue with worship, communion, and prayer. The worship team will dismiss us shortly. The people up front here are there to pray for you for any need you might have. Please, come forward. I'll be right outside the double doors when we're done. Love to say hello to you. God bless you. Have a great week. This song that we're going to sing is about the generous character of God.